Welcome back to the Surfacing Leaders Podcast, where you can come along with nuclear submarine officer, sought-after turnaround CEO and founder of Lead with Purpose, Mark Kohler, as he tells the stories of leaders in unlikely places and the human spirit that drives us all to show us that anyone can learn to be a leader. And now, here's Mark Kohler. Diana Scherer is a jazzercise instructor who helps others dance like no one's watching. Jazzercise is the longest standing workout program in the world, having been in business for over 50 years. They were founded in 1969. It's a dance party that fuses cardio, strength, Pilates, hip hop, yoga, and kickboxing, and is touted as the original dance party. Since joining the company in 2019, Diana has been selected to be broadcasted to the world for her leadership during the classes she teaches on global live streams through Jazzercise On Demand. She also models Jazzercise Apparel. Diana, welcome to the Surfacing Leaders Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. So let's get to know a little bit more about you, where you grew up, and bring us up until today. Sounds good. So I was born and raised in Geneseo, Illinois for the first 21 years of my life. Small town, six to 7,000 people. Uh, Everybody knows everybody. So it was a great place to grow up. It was very safe and fun. Um, And then I went through high school doing sports and music. I did cross country, track, band, choir, theater, color guard, dance. I was one of those kids who never had a free weekend, but didn't know any other way. So I kind of like to stay busy now. And I started teaching jazzercise when I turned 18. You have to be 18 to be certified as an instructor. And I became certified, started teaching. And then a couple of years later, I was 21 and I was ready to broaden my horizons a little bit. As much as I love Geneseo, I wanted to see a little more of the world and Decided to move out here to California, got my eyes on Carlsbad, and here I am today, still teaching jazzercise, and wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, that's awesome. So take us through the initial interaction that you had with jazzercise, because that was in high school. Mm-hmm. What was happening? What, what attracted you to it, and what kept you there? It's almost too good to be true. The story, the Jazzercise studio was across the street from my high school. And the year that I was 16 in, it would have been 2017, they were doing a program trying to attract younger people to come join Jazzercise. And every semester they would have one of our gym classes, go take a Jazzercise class. Oh, wow. And so I went over there for gym class one day, and then they said, any girls 16, any anyone 16 through 21 years old, you can come join Jazzercise for a year for free. And so a few of my friends and I decided, oh, let's go try a few classes. I, I think we were in the off season from sports. That's why I was in gym class. And so we went a few times, and then my friends were kind of – a little timid to go by themselves, but I could tell right off the bat that the people who were at Jazzercise were there to have fun and work out 
Nobody was judging. So I continued to go on my own. Mm -hmm. It also helped that I knew a few of the instructors and a few of the customers. The owner of the studio who had a franchise for Jazzercise, it is a franchise. So each owner has their own studio, but all Jazzercise are run the same pretty much. And she was a coach and a substitute teacher and the owner of Jazzercise. So she was very inviting, always trying to get girls from like the sports teams to come do jazzercise when they weren't in practices. And so I continued to go during the winters and the summers when I wasn't in practice for, or competing in sports. And so I did that for about two years. And then another one of the instructors who I knew growing up, she actually babysit my babysat my brother and sister when I was being born, when my parents were in the hospital. I turned 18 and she said, all right, Diana, you're old enough to be an instructor. I'm going to tell them that you want to train to be an instructor and get certified. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, whatever you say, I trust you. I wouldn't mind. I love jazzercise. I love dancing and working out and music. And it's pretty much those three things in a nutshell. And so, yeah, throw me on stage, I guess. And before I knew it, I was assigned to a trainer from corporate. And we were Skyping each week. Luckily, I had another friend of mine who was in Jazzercise. We knew each other through school, but we really became close at Jazzercise. She was a grade older than I was. And we trained together. It was really, really nice to have somebody with me going through the process. And our trainer, her name is Jen, and she helped us along the way to learn how to become an instructor. We already you know, new moves from doing class, but it was a whole different process having to, first of all, reverse your right and left, and then also get everybody to do what you're doing in an effective way, not get out of breath. You're speaking into a microphone while you're working out, jumping right. around right. and be engaging in all of these different aspects. So that took a few weeks, couple of months. And uh, in the spring of my senior year, I got certified. We went up to Chicago. It was in one of the suburbs. And we had kind of a workshop type of thing during the day. And she kind of tried to wear us out a little bit. It was a big group of us. And we did lots of movements. She was just watching us to see if our movements were sharp and um, the type of movement you would want as an example. And then we taught a couple of routines to the trainer and got an email a few hours later with our certification. Was it like getting kicked off the island or something like that? Or yeah, you gonna it, was, it was scary. It was scary. I, I was like, oh my gosh, did everybody else get it? I, I mean, I started crying immediately. I got my email and then Becca, I got it. And I turned around to see if she got hers too, because she was in the backseat. We were on our way home from Chicago. And then she nodded and we both just started crying. Did she actually like, get it before you and she was waiting for you? I maybe? got my, no, she, because I said, I got it. And then she got hers and it was... Luckily, there was no delay or go to junk, junk mail or something. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, then that's how I started teaching. I taught my first class solo on the morning of my senior prom. And it was honestly just a big dance party. Those exciting classes just feel like a big party where you happen to get really sweaty and build muscles. 
And then I continued to teach. That was when I was 18. All right. I got a couple of questions though. That's okay. You're 16 years old. There's a lot of things going around in 16 year old girls and even boys head, right? Mm -hmm. You get this opportunity to go to Jazzercise. You go with a bunch of your friends. They fall off of it, maybe because they don't want to go alone, et cetera. But what was it? Like, what was the seed where you were like, hey, this is, you know, this is what I want to do? Because six years later, seven years later, I mean, you're steeped into it. So what do you think the seed was? Was it earlier in life? Was it that experience that you had? Share that with us. I grew up in dance classes. Like a lot of young girls go to dance classes. I did dance competitions through middle school. And then I did that. I had to make that choice going into high school. Do I want to stay as one of the dance girls in dance competitions where you go to dance class every day after school, or do I want to go into sports? And so I decided to do track and cross country and all those music things. And I stopped doing dance classes and dance competitions, but I still love dancing. And so Jazzercise is so much dancing. It's a dance workout. And so I got that outlet to be a dancer. And not only does it have dance, but I loved exercising. Like I loved being in sports and it just makes you feel good. You know, the sweat, the spike in your endorphins and that rush of dopamine and everything. And the, the biggest difference with Jazzercise and any dance workout that you might have heard of is the feeling of community that you get when you go in there. Like I said, the thing that kept drawing me back is that I could tell everybody was just there to have fun and work out. And no one cared what anybody else was doing. Even today, I have people who stand in the corner of class because they're not going to do what I'm doing. They're doing their own thing. And I don't care if you're waving your arms in the air and facing the back wall. If you're moving your body and you're having fun, that's all I care about. I'm just there as a guide. I didn't know whether you like put them in timeout or something because they didn't do the move right. Or... No, they're over there in okay. their own world. Okay. And so it's really just your workout. You make it how you want it. And so I think the dancing aspect is what really pulled me in at first. And it's fun music and the instructors always are top notch. I've never really gone to a class and thought, oh my gosh they're a bad teacher. You know, the instructors are across the board, very talented and motivational, and they want you to come back and you want to come back. Earlier on, you talked about some of the activities you did in high school. I think you said, did you say marching band? Funny that you point that one out specifically. I was in marching band and I was the color guard captain and my dad was the marching band instructor and my mom was the color guard instructor. Okay. So how do you think that informed, like, sort of, you know, I don't know that much about, but I see people on the, they're having fun. They're in in concert with one another. They have moves that they're trying to do to, you know, make sure that they, you know, meet the mission of what they're trying to do. I mean, how do you think that informed you? Was that an impact for you? Oh, exponentially. Yes. I learned so much through marching band. It's, it was not easy. I mean, I don't even think it looks easy, but it's definitely doing so many things at once. Like, honestly, I can't believe that we did that as 14 through 18 year olds. It's a wild concept. And so 
it takes strong leaders in that activity. And I was lucky enough to be one of the leaders. I grew up around marching band and I wanted to do it, even though honestly, I didn't have a choice, but I did want to do it. (laughs) People always would ask me that if your dad wasn't the marching band director, would you still do marching band? And I said, I don't know, but I want to do it. So it doesn't really matter. And so when you are an upperclassman, you have the choice to kind of run to be one of the section leaders. So I wanted to be a color guard captain. They had auditions and you had to take tests and all these sorts of things. And I studied, studied my ass off because I didn't want people to think that I got it because my parents were in charge. Right. People still thought that even though the upperclassmen who were grading the test said that I had one of the best scores they'd ever seen, not to brag. And so then Is as, that posted on your Twitter account? No, it sh- I should put that on my resume. You got to put it on your resume. <laughs> and so we got to go to a leadership camp and it was really fun. It was the summer leading into that fall season because we would do band camp during the summer. And so we got to go to the Smith Walbridge leadership camp and we learned all about what it takes and what it means to be a leader especially to peers. It's a little bit different and often more challenging because you might have relationships with these people. Some of them might be your friends and some of them might be people who don't like you or who you don't like, but you have to put that stuff behind you and forget about that when you step onto the field. And so at this leadership camp, we got so many tools and so many things that I brought into being a leader as the color guard captain. And, you know, it was me and another captain and then 15 girls and we didn't have a color guard coach during the day because my mom had work full-time Monday through Friday and so she would come to our evening and weekend rehearsals and so I was I was in charge and it was honestly one of the best times one of my favorite memories from high school because I learned so much and I feel really lucky that I had a great group of friends that respected me because I respected them. And so when you're a leader, you have to show the respect to get the respect. And we ended up having an awesome season and we were very successful. And yeah, it's one of my favorite memories. What are the biggest things that you learned from going to that camp? What do you think? Because you're you're coming in as a, hey, I was a participant in this thing. I got to lead it. What's the biggest eye-opening thing that you remember about the camp and how it prepared you to be successful? Probably when problems arise, how to solve those problems, because a lot of the time, the director who's in charge of 150 kids or 100 kids or in big schools, 200 kids, they can't solve every problem when two students are having a disagreement. And so you kind of have to take it into your own hands. And if somebody brings something to you or you notice something is going on, how to react and what skills that you can use to solve those things. And in high school, I think the main thing that I always thought of first before taking any action is you don't know what they're going through and you don't know what else is going on. They might not be putting in 100% and it's not because they don't want to. And it's not because 
they're mad at somebody. It might be something that's going on at home or going on in school. And so taking the time to go to them one-on-one and say, hey, this is what I noticed. I was wondering if there's anything that I can do to help. And that nine out of 10 times is probably what it is. And that's going to help them. I've made so many friends that I didn't, I wasn't friends with before marching band. And then they would come to me after they realized that I would be there for them. They would come to me if they wanted to tell me something and then I could help them through that. And then it would make them be a better performer at the end of the day. Wow. That is so good. (laughs) Thank you. Really good. Just really great advice. You know, empathy is one of the things that leader, all leaders need to have today. And, and it's really hard, just as an example, in the submarine force, mm-hmm. we were with all of our peers. If we were going to put in a leadership position, sometimes we were put in a leadership position, but just for a short period of time. If you were going to be put in a leadership position for a longer period of time, you went to a totally different submarine. Mm-hmm. And the reason is of that dynamic. Hey, we used to be side by side with each other. Oh, and you're telling me to do this stuff, but you used to not do it. So it's a very hard, it's a very hard road to navigate. And it's great that sounds like what was important is, you know, you get some training because a lot of times we just throw people into, hey, guess what? You're the best or you scored well on this test. And you can take that test results. That does not equal leadership, right? No. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Really, really good. I do have one other question that's floating in my mind. Was your mom one of the crazy dance moms? No, she was she was the calm one, I think. She although I'm not saying that she wasn't crazy, but she wasn't crazy <laughs> as a dance mom. Okay. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That's awesome. So when you think about you're in another position now where you're a participant in a jazz jazzercise class. And like you said, now you got to reverse the role. And it is, it is interesting when you say left or right, because oh I'm, I'm speaking on stage and I go, Hey, we all got to go to the left. And you know, Hey, you got to flip that. What are some of the, what are some of the biggest things that you learned going from participant to leader in jazzercise? Definitely. I, one of the things that I've learned after becoming an instructor is that there is so much preparation that goes into teaching a class. And there, I mean, I've spent hours learning routines and selecting which routines I'm going to teach, even based off of where I'm teaching and what time I'm teaching, because I know what customers come to what class time. And I almost curate a class for individual customers. And another thing is that each class can be drastically different. Like I said this morning, one of my classes was full of people and one of my classes almost didn't have more than one. Right. And so- So how do you approach that? Well, they get a private lesson if they want that. And luckily this morning, she was ready to have a private lesson. And then as soon as I started the music, a couple more people joined in. But in that case, it's really challenging. I'm sure it's uncomfortable for the person in class. Not always, but it's really challenging for me because in every class, I feed off of the energy in the room. 
And so when I don't have anybody giving it to me, I have to really pull it out of nowhere. And that's another thing that's been challenging doing the live streams because I'm teaching to a camera. And especially on on camera, and it's broadcasting across the world, you have to make sure that you're at 200%. Because one of my mentors at Jazzercise told me the 50%, 100% rule. And if you give 100%, they're going to give 50%. So you have to give 200% mm. if you want them to give 100%. And so teaching in front of a camera is extra hard because you have to pull energy from yourself instead of from others in your class. And in class, you never know how many people are going to be there showing up. And it's hard not to take it personally, but you can't. People are just doing their thing, but that's something you work on. And eventually you have people who come for your class, not just for a workout, but for your class specifically. So you have all these different situations that can come up. And like you said, the second class this morning, mm -hmm. you're sitting there, I got one person, yep. right? And I can see why the person who's in the one person in the class, they're going to, oh, they're watching every single move, right? She even said, you're going to see all my mistakes now. And I said, well, you're going to see mine too. So that's oh, both. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So you have all these different situations that come up. How, how do you, what's your mindset? Because in the moment, you got to either have the same exact mindset, like whether there's one person or 48 people in the class, there's a thousand people here. Right. Or or you got to shift your mindset so you can, you know, deliver the experience that's needed. So what, what do you what do you do? How, how do you do that? Yeah, both. Exactly what you just said. I am going to keep my same mindset in that I'm going to give an awesome class. I'm going to have the same level of excellence that I would give if I was teaching to a room full of people. But I'm also going to shift my mindset and kind of adjust the way that I'm teaching because I know who I'm teaching to specifically. And when I started the class and it was just her, I'm going to adjust if she's doing high impact or low impact. I'm going to adjust my attitude, some of the little, you know, I'll make quips and comments during class. And so I can make them more personal because it's just me and Linda. But yeah, you definitely have to change a little bit, but you don't want to change everything because if it's just one person, I'm not going to bring my energy down because it's just the two of us. I'm still going to teach at 200% like I would if there was 50 people. Yeah, that's really great advice, especially for leaders today. There's so much disruptions that are happening and they can happen immediately. And it's our positive mindset that really sets the tone when we walk into the room. And we can either add to it or subtract from it. Talk to us about the training at Jazzercise. Jazzercise has been around since 1969. And, you know, Judy Missette founded it, right, in, in Chicago, I think? Yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, corporate offices are now in Carlsbad, California. But talk to us. There's a, there's a formula that's working. So you go from a 16-year-old kid. <laughs> And you know nothing about jazzercise. You have this love and you have this passion. And then you get into, hey, you're into corporate. And tell us the training program that they have so you can be successful. Talk to us about that. Yes. So there are a few different things 
that you go through in the training process. I remember one of the things that was really helpful to feel like a professional fitness instructor was we had to know about anatomy, what muscles we're using. Mm. That's something that a lot of great instructors touch on during their classes is right now, this is the move we're doing and these are the muscles you're working. And it helps you to work those muscles even harder when you're picturing what muscle is engaging. And they're very knowledgeable and informative. Um, So I learned a lot about those things during the training process. We even had to take a test over those things. And we had a lot of movement training because if an instructor isn't doing a move right, they're going to teach it wrong and then everybody's going to do it wrong. And that's not what you want at all. So we had a lot of training to go move and move and move and move. And that builds up your endurance and your stamina, which is another thing that you need. And that is increased so much during my time as an instructor, looking back to how I taught a class when I was 18 versus how I teach a class now is very different. How is it it different? I'm not saying that I was bad, but (laughs) (laughs) but I feel so much better. I think I move better and I speak better. I think the bottom line is confidence. I never thought that I was timid when I started, but I feel so much more confident as an instructor now on every aspect between the movement and the cueing and talking to the customers. I think at first as an 18-year-old where I didn't know very many of the customers, it was very hard to relate to them. And now I don't exactly have that much in common with every person in my class, but I have the skills to relate to them and find ways to connect. So let's stay on this. So you have, you've got some technical expertise. Yeah. Yeah, you have some technical expertise, but it's more than technical expertise of what oh, yeah. the experience is at Jazzercise. Absolutely. How'd they prepare you for the other aspect, like the emotional aspect of connecting with people and, and all those things? Because, you know, you can send someone out and they can do a, you know, they can do a great, you know, I don't even know what anything is. They can do a great what? Skips, lunges. They can do a great lunge. They can do a great lunge, but if they're doing it on their own, yeah, right. No one's dancing with them and everything like that. So, how did they prepare you for the other aspect? I think a lot of it comes from experience. I have learned over the years, and why I think I'm a better instructor today is by taking other people's classes and learning from them, from those amazing instructors. My trainer. That's so great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to learn from the people who do it well. And like I said, I haven't met a bad instructor. So every class you learn something new. Uh, My instructor, Jen, is one of those instructors who's who seems bubbly, cheerful, excited at all times. And so that's one of the bits and pieces that I took is to be excited and it'll make other people excited. Because if you're on stage just saying, here's what we're doing, here's what we're doing now, here's the muscle you're using, here's what we're doing next, that's going to get old. But if you're engaging and excited and 
making other people excited with you. That's kind of what makes it fun. But then you go to another instructor and they're super intense and they're a powerhouse and they make you want to work harder and they tell you, you have to get lower. You have to jump higher. You have to go two more reps and that's going to push you in a different way. But you can have both. You can have the cheerleader instructor and you can have the powerhouse instructor. And so I've learned from all sorts of different types of teachers that you take different parts of your class and you use them in different parts. At the beginning of my class, I'm fun. I'm happy. You're happy to be here with me. You roll. You're uh -huh. real, you pull them in. in. You pull them in. Yeah. And then we get halfway through class and they're thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> Why is she mad at me? Uh-huh. And I'm saying, you guys, you're going to thank me later. And then at the end of class, we're back to the, oh my gosh, aren't you so glad you came here today? And everybody is. And they do. They thank me later. But I get a lot of moans and groans because I love the powerhouse style too. You've got to make them work for it. One of the key things that we teach is the ability to use recognitions to drive better performance. And so one of the things that we teach is an emotional bank account. And what we share is that you need to put, you need to put money into the bank account before maybe you take out. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a great example of just a simple jazzercise um, course. Because if you, if you go hard first, people might go, Hey, when she turns around, like I'm out the door or <laughs> happened. yeah, or I, I'm in the corner. And so it's really powerful um, for us to learn, you know, as leaders is, hey, if you want to get someone's attention, don't always come to them with, hey, hard, hard, hard. Every time you come, they're going to say, oh, what's Mark going to say again? If I come and I, you know, give them encouragement, encouragement, and I put money into their emotional bank account, then I can give them a little bit. And then at the end, you put some money back in. So exactly. it's, yeah, that's, that's great. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. What's the persona for a great jazzercise instructor? Everybody has their different persona. We actually talk about this quite a bit, my friends and I do. We actually have like a stage name sometimes. My friend Skyla, she gets on stage and if she's getting extra sassy and making everybody sweat really bad, we're like, okay, Skylar, because no, nobody likes to be called a different name, but she turns from Skyla to Skylar. What's your stage name? I don't know. My friends have a couple. Sometimes it's Big D. Sometimes it's Red. My one of my mentors growing up, like in jazzercise, she always called me red from stage before I even became an instructor. I was literally just red. That's it. So sometimes that's my persona. I have a lot of red hair. So that's how I'm known at jazzercise sometimes is red. But what there's a basic persona that is probably needed. Mm -hmm. What what is that? What's that recipe? that makes a great jazzercise instructor leader? I think each instructor has their own special touch. Everybody has a gift. And some people's might be the same, but it's really a combination with a different amount of each component. So somebody who is motivational and for me, 
caring and compassionate. I think that's a big aspect. I listened to your last episode with Molly Hamer. And one of the things that she was really passionate about and I loved and I realized myself relating to is that to be a leader, you have to know and care about the people who you're leading. And you have to know yourself. And that was a big takeaway from that episode for me. And so you have to care about those people who you're teaching to and want it for them, even if they don't want it for themselves, because eventually they will. It's hard to be self-motivated. So you have to be that person who motivates them and eventually it will come. But once they create the routine, it comes naturally. So you have to encourage that and kind of plant those seeds along the way. And so during class, a lot of times I will talk about what this is doing for them and why they're here. Or I'll ask them, why are you here? What made you decide to come today? Because a lot of times the hardest part, especially for me, is just making it to class. Once you're there, it's fun. Once you're there, you're already there. You're not going to go home two routines into class. So the hardest part is getting out of bed, getting in the car, and opening the door stepping in with your tennis shoes, grabbing your weights. Once class starts, it's in the instructor's hands. And from stage, I'll talk about, we're so lucky to have this workout that's so much fun that we get to do together. It's group fitness. One thing that might be awesome for other people, I know even Hayden loves this, I would dread going to the gym and making my own workout routine and doing however many reps, and being around a bunch of people who are doing the same thing, but different because everybody's doing it alone. But in jazzercise, it's group fitness. And so you're all doing it together. So at during a hard routine, I'll say, you're doing this with your neighbor. Hmm. Use the person next to you and push harder. And when I'm taking class with my friends, we'll face each other and we'll do it together and we'll work even harder just because we're all in it together. Little high school musical moment. Back to your question. I've kind of derailed and gone on my own little journey here. But I think each instructor definitely just has their own gifts that they bring to the stage and to a class. And each instructor might have a different approach, but what works for you will work for the class too. So the other day we were having a pre-conversation and you were talking about how the clients who are the in the classes, many of them are are much older than you. Mm-hmm. So they're you know they're moms. You know they have job other jobs and all of those things. When we talk about different generations in the workforce, we're talking about how do we bridge the different generations in the workforce. And if you're the leader of the of that moment in their life where they're spending and investing fifty five minutes, you know, with jazzercise or ninety whatever it is. How do you connect with them? That's a great question. That's one of the things that I was thinking about as one of the challenges for this leadership role is that I've been in a position where I was leading peers, and now I'm in a position where I'm leading people from ages 15 or 16 to people who are in their 60s, 70s, or even 80s sometimes. And you have to be equipped to teach to everybody and 
it's a great opportunity to bring people together because I have had classes with somebody from those age ranges. And it, I think a big part of it is being knowledgeable because you can find ways to connect to those people. You just have to dig a little bit. So I can find a lot of ways to connect to people my own age, even with my friends in a class, I'll throw in a story that we have together or a little inside joke, but somebody who's a few generations older than me may not get that, but that's okay because we definitely have something in common if we're at a jazzercise class together. They love to move and we're both working our bodies together. Even your, and sometimes it can make them feel younger. Not that everybody wants to be young forever, but I think it's definitely fun to get them to let loose. We'll be doing a move with hip shakes. And I was like, come on, I know you like it. Let it go. Just shake your hips. Give me a shimmy. And they love it. They eat it up. They love it so much. And so you can just kind of encourage them to let loose a little bit. And it it brings everybody together when you're shaking your butt, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So there's these mirror neurons that we have. And so if I smile, mm-hmm. you're more likely to smile back at me. Yes. If I frown, you're going to frown back at me. And I think one of the key things that you probably have as a jazzercise instructor is you have to have tremendous energy. I mean, positive energy. So when you're teaching all of these courses, I know you don't sometimes have the energy or something. Like you said, the famous saying is, I'm not sure what's happened in that person's day that they're having a challenge. Uh, Take us through a time when you were literally preparing for a course, you're five minutes before you get to the course, and you're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Take us through what you did and how you dug in and share with us that story. Everybody has bad days. So, I mean, people might say they don't or that you're going to make it a good day, but everybody has bad days. And there have absolutely been times where I've been scheduled to teach. And that day I don't want to teach and I don't want to go work out. I don't feel like moving my body or my body hurts because I'm tired and I have no energy. But one thing that I always say about coming to class, but it's still true for teaching is that I've never regretted going to Jazzercise. I've only regretted not going. And so every time I'm about to start a class, I know I'm going to feel better after this. Not only am I going to feel better because I got a workout in, blah, 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 that'll make you feel good, but it's the mental thing. It feels so good to let it out, get a boost of endorphins and serotonin and connecting with those people. And I even talk about it sometimes. I'll say, you guys, this is what happened today. Or I won't say what happened. I'll say, I need this workout today. Are you with me? And somebody else out there had a bad day. And so I'll say, I need you to push yourself today with me. We're going to work extra hard and we're going to reap the benefits after this class. And you're going to feel tired and it's going to feel amazing. 
Yeah, I think that's great. That's just a, another example of when you talk to someone about a challenge they have, that's how you can connect with them. So when you say I have a bad day, there's probably three other people going like, I know how you feel. And then when we have those mirror neurons and say, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to step into this, step into it with me, I think it just creates a great experience. That's a great, uh, leaders, I always ask leaders, and it's a trick question, I always say, what day of the week are you mostly being watched and what hours of the day? And they always say, well, oh, I don't know, is it Monday? Is it Wednesday? I'm like, it's 24-7. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be out, you know, somewhere at a restaurant and being a total jerk mm-hmm. and because everyone's going to see you all the time. And so it's the same, same for you. It's a stage performance and you got to raise your game because then you raise everyone else's game. Yeah, I agree. And I think... One thing that I learned from being on stage is you fake it till you make it. When you have no energy, you act like you do. And suddenly you're putting a ton of energy into it. But another thing is you have to be honest because that's going to make them not necessarily respect you, but almost encourage and motivate them. As a customer, if I'm talking to one of the instructors before class and they tell me, oh, I'm going through this right now. And then they go on stage and I see them give a awesome class. Yeah, I'll think, wow, they just did that when they're going through that. And so being honest with your customers is going to show them that they're not alone. The instructor's not perfect. And that goes along with making mistakes. An instructor can make mistakes on stage or they can struggle. They can say, oh my gosh, I can't get this last push up." You guys keep going, but it's keeping it real. Bottom line is just it's keeping it real. Yeah, authenticity is so authenticity. powerful today, which is outstanding. So at the end of 55 minutes of a class that you teach, what will you want to have accomplished leading a class? What will you want to have accomplished? I want everyone to go away feeling that they've accomplished something. and. Like I just mentioned, you're never going to regret coming to class, only that you didn't. And so I want them to think, I'm coming back tomorrow. Or even on stage, I'll say, I'll see you tomorrow or I'll see you next week. And I want them to feel energized and motivated for the rest of their day. When I sleep in instead of going to class, sometimes you need that. But I definitely feel different the rest of the day than I do if I start my day with jazzercise, not because it's a workout, but because it boosts your mood. Well, because it's a workout too, but because of the camaraderie. So I want them to go away feeling awesome and getting that little sense of community that when you see your friends or you make new friends, I can't even count how many people I know who became friends through jazzercise. That's how I met my best friends. Oh, I just love that answer. So good. Always start with the end in mind and then try to work towards that and and better together. That's today. So let's go to you as a leader teaching others. You have a class of 45 people. You have an 80-year-old who's never been there. You got a 22-year-old who has been to eight, eight years of your classes. How do you... How do you approach those differently 
because you can't approach them the exact same way. How do you approach them so that at the end they have that experience? Because you as a leader, you have to be a coach and understand quickly where they're at and then get them to the next level, whatever that next level is. As an instructor, you want the customers in your class to feel successful. If they are struggling to follow the moves through the whole class because you're not leading them in an efficient way, they're going to feel like they failed and that they're not good at this class. You don't have to be a dancer. You don't have to have a dancing background at all. This You can have your first class when you're 80, but it's up to the instructor to teach an efficient class where they give clear instructions. I think one of my skills, how I said everybody has gifts, is that I know how to cue very well because of my music background. And so when we're switching from one move to the next, the music is loud, but I will make eye contact with everybody in class. And before the move happens, I'll say in the eight counts leading up, next, we're going to do this. And then when the beat hits, everybody already knows what's going to happen. If you cue when it's happening, everybody's already behind. But if you prepare them and give them a heads up, they're going to feel successful because they just nailed that. And especially to people who it's their first time in class, that's really important to them because they already feel super singled out. Right. They feel like everyone is watching them. And sometimes I'll remind them, nobody's watching. Nobody's watching you. And I'll even cover my eyes and act like I'm not looking at anybody. But that's kind of one thing that we touch on when we talk in instructor meetings is every class you teach, you have to teach to the new person. You have to teach like there is someone in class who is their first class, even if it's a room full of people who have been taking jazzercise for 20 years. And they don't care. The people who know the routine, like the back of their hand, it's okay if you're still cueing to them because everybody wants to feel successful. Even when I'm taking class, if it's a routine I know, I'm dancing my heart out. I might not be paying attention to when the next move is happening. It's on the instructor's radar and it's their responsibility to prepare you for the next move to make you feel successful. And that's how you can cater to the people who have never danced before and the people who do this every single day in and out. And it's going to help everyone. Everyone always respects and appreciates when the instructor prepares you for each move that you're doing in that class, even if you do it a hundred times. Yeah. Preparation is just, especially when you have a, a group of people, preparation and a vision. A lot of times we talk about 15 minute daily meetings that teams should have together and they set their vision for the day and you're doing the same thing. So you can keep everyone in unison. Talk to us about the professional training that you continue to receive and the support that you continue to receive. Because you had this upfront thing in Chicago. They, you know, you had the whole day, you had, you know, teach the course, which is great. What is the what is the what does the training look like right now? What are the resources that are available to you so you can continue to be successful? relevant and 
you know, a, a fantastic instructor. I'm glad you asked because I meant to touch on this earlier when you asked about the training process is that after you're certified, you get evaluated every two years. The year that you become certified, you get evaluated just a couple months later just to make sure you're doing okay. And then that first one is with the trainer who certified you. After that, you get evaluated by a different instructor each time. And that would be a goal for me is to be one of those people who gets to evaluate other instructors and you get to meet instructors from all over the country and all over the world. But then it's kind of just a check-in. You film an entire class from start to finish. They watch your class and then you have a Skype or a FaceTime where you go over what you did well and what you could possibly improve on. And it helps keep you accountable to teach a great class every time. Because if you don't teach a great class for two years, you can't just pull it out of nowhere and teach an awesome class to be evaluated. And we also have a Jazzercise website where all the instructors go to talk. It's like kind of a forum type of thing to ask questions, communicate back and forth, ask questions to the people who work at corporate. And they also post things each week, a weekly beat. And sometimes they have little activities for you to do or prompts and they ask you questions and it helps you to learn more. And we even have little workshops with instructors and that kind of varies based on where you live and who you teach for, but it helps to just continue to grow as an instructor, even for somebody who like me, I've been teaching for four and a half years. I still have so much learning to do. There are instructors who have been teaching for 35 years and they can still improve. It, it's always a learning process and we learn from each other, like I was saying earlier. How important is it that you get that weekly communication from, from corporate? I, it's not necessarily required or mandatory, but it definitely is going to help you because you don't want to miss anything. You want to stay in touch and you want to stay up to date. Awesome. I love what you just said with the learning. You know, you said, hey, I've only been an instructor for four years or four and a half years. We have instructors that have been here for forever and they still have this learning mindset. How important is it that to have that learning mindset? It's essential. The This program has changed so much from 1969 or what people think of it being so popularized in the 80s. I wish we still wore tights and leg warmers and leotards, but we don't. We're not? <laughs> I know that's what a lot of people think that Jazzercise is, but it's not. It's not a step class. We don't use blocks and step up. It's completely different because it grows and it changes with what's current and contemporary. And so if an instructor who became certified in the 70s never learned anything past what their training was, they wouldn't be they wouldn't even be a jazzercise instructor anymore. That that it's a completely different workout because when Judy formed and birthed this workout class, it's the art of dance and the science of exercise. And science is always not changing, but evolving. And like the, we're, we keep learning more. We keep continuing to find out what's good for our bodies now. And dance moves are always changing. You don't do the same dance moves in every single class. We have to keep it fresh and keep it new and keep people engaged and 
learning different things. And it's awesome to find a new routine and then throw in an old routine that people know from 10 years ago. And that's awesome. But it's so important to keep changing for the better. And it helps keep jazzercise consistent because there are thousands of classes each day. And I know that when I take a jazzercise class here in California, I can go across the country and take a jazzercise class in New York, and it's going to be the same. That's so good. There's a couple of things just to delve into is I can imagine, so say someone from, you know, we were all ported back to a jazzercise class in 1981, and they got the leggings on and the tights and the different hair. Oh, what I'd give. Yeah. And, you know, we all go back there and we all got our, how many, what percentage of women wear Lululemon in, <laughs> in the, in your. Especially here. Oh gosh. A lot, a lot. A lot. I've bought stock in Lululemon. So, but imagine going back to that and them trying to have that same type of experience. And so I think the thing that's really key here that I want to, you know, highlight is what Jazzercise is doing is having the ability to have some structure and then being open to learning, yeah, and, and evolve appropriately. And so often the biggest barrier to change, because change is hard for anybody, even if it's good change, change is hard. All right, so I want you to tell us about maybe a failure you had as a leader or as an instructor. What happened? What did you learn from it? What did you do about it? It's hard to choose one instance in particular. But I think one thing that I have struggled with and that I've been able to learn from is not being prepared for class. I used to get really excited with learning new routines and I would try to put too much on my plate and I would teach a new set. So a new different class each time I taught. And that was just way too much of an overload. And so I wasn't reading the notes and I would watch the video a couple of times and go to teach the routine and I wasn't cueing it right. And it wasn't, I was making mistakes and it was making the customers feel unsuccessful and I didn't look like a professional. And so I learned that I need to take my time either don't learn too many new routines in one day or take your time learning them, read through the notes, use all the information that you have at your fingertips so that you can teach an amazing class. Otherwise, people are not going to want to come back and they're not going to have the picture of Jazzercise of the program that it really is if you continue to teach the, in that style. That's great. All right. So last question. A lot of people listening to this podcast right now. And if there were one piece of advice or one thing that you could say to help a person surface the leader inside of them, what would that be? I didn't always look at myself necessarily as or label myself as a leader, but I have always known that I love helping people. And recently I realized that's the way that I lead people and lead with love. And one thing that I have found myself using to be a more 
successful and effective leader is to, and this might be getting a little deep, I pray that God uses me to show him or show himself to others through my love. And that can be in so many different ways. And some people might not realize that that's what I'm doing, but by helping people at Jazzercise or helping people in any instance, any situation, even if it's a stranger on the street, you're leading with love. You see the tears in my eyes? I do. I know. It's so beautiful. You're going to make me cry. It's so beautiful. Wow. The conversation has just been so rich. I love the art of dance combined with the science of expression. Your thoughtfulness on preparation, the positive mindset, community together. I mean, it's what we have to do as leaders today. And a lot of the things that you talked about are, are very relevant. People should know when they show up to your jazzercise class, hey, that's a leader in front of, front of the class. And I, I think that's just great. And I would, I would invite the listeners here, you know, if you want to take yourself from the dance floor to the stage, follow a lot of things that we, that we talked about today. So again, thank you so much for being on the Servicing Leaders podcast. I'm excited that you had me. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining Mark today. And remember, new episodes of Surfacing Leaders will be available every other week where you can become inspired, gain confidence, and learn leadership right where you are. Until next time, make it a great day.